Welcome to the Sports Leadership Podcast, where leaders in sport get practical, relevant insight to help them take their leadership to the next level and become leaders worth following. Now for your hosts, Kevin DeShazo and Mark Hodgkin. Welcome to episode 23 of the Sports Leadership Podcast. I am Mark Hodgkin, along with Kevin DeShazo of Fieldhouse Media and Culture Wins Championships. Today, we have a great conversation for you with Fairfield Director of Athletics, Paul Schlickman. Unfortunately, I, was, I missed this conversation, but Kevin did a great job uh, talking to Paul, uh, had some great insights. Um, he's in his first uh, year or so at Fairfield, but already making a really pretty big impact. Um, so can I talk a little bit about what stuck out for you for this conversation? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, I was really um, impressed, certainly, with what Paul is doing at Fairfield with his story, his background, and he's someone we've been you know, trying to, to, to get onto the podcast for a couple months. Schedules get, get busy, and uh, so it was fun to, to finally have that conversation with him and got to test my, my interviewing skills a little bit, which certainly probably need to be refined. But I just came away um, really impressed with the culture that he's trying to build um, how intentional he is with people, um, with the student athletes, you know, making sure that he makes, not just saying they're a priority, but making them a priority, being present at practice, being present at games, engaging in conversations in the hallway, the way he goes about communicating. You know, he had an axiom that he threw out that communication plus honesty equals trust. And, and so making, making that communication a priority because he's trying to build trust, which is obviously at the root of great teams and great cultures. So I just came away really impressed by what he's doing, by the team that he's built, which is, which is a crucial piece, of, of course, of any team, uh, is to have the right people around you who can work well together. What were your thoughts after listening to the interview? I think it's a, it's a really interesting situation he's in, not only being somewhat of a new athletics and with a new president. You touch on that a little bit in this conversation. Um, the president of Fairfield is uh, joined about the same time he did, uh, former student athlete himself. So I think that's an interesting kind of wrinkle. And and Paul gets into um, a little bit about his background uh, that I found interesting as far as his father being a Fairfield grad, him really growing up with that uh, kind of Jesuit background. And it's pretty clear they have a, a very distinct and um, thought out uh, mission for their athletics department. Yeah, and him talking through that transition, because uh, they've had a lot of change at Fairfield with the new AD and a new president. And so that brings that can bring a lot of uncertainty with it. Um, but he talked about the relationship he has with the president, the buy-in that they had for each other, realizing how they complement each other for the university as a whole. And so I thought that was a really um, unique perspective that he was able to share and the value of that relationship and, and uh, how they're able to build off of each other. So this is an interview that I think people are really going to enjoy. Um, so let's just go, go right into it. Enjoy this interview uh, again with Paul Schlickman, Director of Athletics at Fairfield University. All right, so we are here with Paul Schlickman, the Director of Athletics at Fairfield University as we continue this conversation, looking at what, what is the role, how is it shifting, um, what is the modern athletic director, what does that look like? And so, Paul, first off, thank you for, for joining us. Um, really, really looking forward to this conversation. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's always great to have the opportunity to have these kinds of conversations, so I'm, I'm grateful for the, you reaching out and then grateful for the opportunity to have a chat with you. And so we can, you know, I can rattle off your, your resume. And, but for those who, who may not know who Paul Schlickman is, for our listeners across college athletics or the athletic space in general, who is Paul? What is your story? How did you end up at Fairfield? What's your background? Um, kind of the highlights of, of, of who you are and how you got to be in this position. Sure. I appreciate it. I guess if you give the, 
kind of the nutshell bullet resume version uh, prior to this mid-September when I took the job at Fairfield, I was the athletics director at Central Connecticut State University in the Northeast Conference for seven years. That was my first athletic director gig. Uh, prior to that, I spent seven years at Stony Brook University in the American East uh, as the deputy AD. Very fortunate to have that opportunity and, and kind of grind my teeth running day-to-day -day operations of a department and learn how to um, become an AD. Uh, prior to that, I spent 10 years at Yale. My first quote-unquote, real job out of grad school. I was 10 years there, worked my way up, kind of learned everything there was to learn about athletic administration, particularly on the internal side, and had a wonderful experience there in the Ivy League. Prior to that, grad school, I did a one-year internship with the ECAC office. Grad school at Springfield College, two years. Undergrad at Trinity College, so working in reverse. And uh, I had such a great experience as a student athlete at Trinity Division Three in the NESCAC, I uh, was a basketball player there that uh, I always kind of knew I wanted to get involved in, in athletics in some way, shape, or form. Um, and so that kind of laid the groundwork for me in, in my mind to kind of gear up towards doing that. Um, I am a uh, Central Mass kid, grew up in Central Massachusetts, uh, New England guy. I haven't strayed too far, as you can tell by my resume, pretty much a Northeast guy. Um, with a little bit of uh, New England Northeast, if you will. Younger brother, older sister. I've got a, I'm in a family of educators, if you will. My dad was a longtime high school teacher. Uh, mom was a longtime college administrator. My brother's in the, uh, the prep school uh, world in uh, admissions development marketing. My sister's a middle school teacher. So we're, I like to call us a family of educators. It's kind of in our blood, in my blood. As I, allu I alluded to my my educational experiences, I wasn't Jesuit educated, um, and Fairfield is a Jesuit institution, but my dad is a Fairfield grad, uh, class of 1962. He went to Fairfield on the GI Bill. Um, so I do feel like I've been Jesuit educated in some degree my whole life by virtue of my dad's uh, principles and philosophies that were kind of ingrained in him as a result of his educational experiences. And that's kind of shaped who I am at, at, the, at my core. I believe in, in the principles that, that Fairfield espouses. I believe very much in the, the educational, uh, the academic athletic balance and the holistic educational experience of, of students and student athletes. And that's why uh, if, you, if you kind of tell the story in full circle, that's why I'm so thrilled to be here at Fairfield because I believe um, it presents that type of opportunity where uh, it's really in my wheelhouse in terms of uh, my core beliefs, my core values, philosophical approach to uh, to athletics, to Division One athletics, and a place where I think we we can really have some great success. So uh, I'm thrilled to be here and and uh, really excited about what's ahead of us. I love that, and it's really cool to see you know, life almost come full circle, ending up at a place that, as you said, has had a significant influence and impact on your life through your father. Um, so that's a, that's a really cool story. So this is you know, obviously not, as you said, not your first rodeo as an AD. You've been the chair now for a while, even though new uh, at Fairfield. In, in the time that you've been in the AD chair, and as you think you know, about the next five to 10 years with that chair, um, how have you seen the role of the AD change? And how do you think it's, it's going to be changing um, over the next five to 10 years? Sure. I, I've given that a lot of thought, not only during my time at Central, but but um, certainly somewhat in anticipation of this conversation too. I, I think there's some some real constants in 
the job. And, you know, there's kind of a, a standing uh, joke, if you will, that if you look up the definition of an athletic instructor in, in Webster's, it would say, you know, someone who's all things to all people um, as a job description. And, and I still think that's in large part, you know, maybe partially tongue in cheek the case. Um, and, and I think that will probably remain the case um, ad infinitum. But I think the biggest change is just how quickly things move now. Everything seems faster. And whether that is just a matter of the fishbowl you're in or, or how accessible you are through so many different mediums, everything just seems to be at a much quicker pace. So the, the demands that are associated with that seem to change the job in terms of one's adaptability or the ability to kind of have some of have that constant framework, but be adaptable to, to the pace at which things are moving around you, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Things are, you know, I, I've been out of school now for almost 15 years and the way the speed of life in general, right. It's just, everything is moving so quickly. And for an AD, there's so many things flying around. Everything's moving at, at, at breakneck speed. Almost. Uh, there, it's almost as if, I don't know if it's fully true, but it can feel this way that there's not time to sit and think, to process through decisions. Cause you just have to be uh, on the move while still yeah. making thoughtful decisions and, and intentional decisions with, with those challenges. What do you think the characteristics of, of ADs in today's world, what, what are the characteristics that you think an AD must, must have to succeed in kind of this, this new age? Again, uh, I'll, I'll go on somewhat of the same premise. I think the, the core uh, characteristics or, or, uh, qualities that you need to have, I think those remain constant, and I think they're crucial for NAD in in any age in any environment, be it Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, whatever it may be. Um, and I think ultimately you have to be a people person. I think there's that that is that is the the primary characteristic, and I think strong quality that you need to be successful is you have you you, you don't. Have, you have to want to be a good people person. You have to be a genuine people person to deal with coaches and student athletes and donors and alums and, and season ticket holders. And, you know, um, you have to be able to, to get along and, and understand and, and build relationships with your student athletes. And, and that is so vital and critical and you need to be able to, to develop relationships and trusting relationships on campus. And so in every facet of what you do, that's, that's the core principle that you need, the core characteristic that you need. And, and, and I think regard, I think that's timeless. I really do. Um, and I'll go back to a word I just used. I think there, there may be aspects of the job that might be changing due to technology or due to finances or due to, um, you know, various aspects of the job that, that you might have to adapt to but I think the adaptability piece is, is key is just being open to it. You might not be, you might not have the, uh, the inherent or intrinsic um, skill or, or adaptability or, or um, pension for, you know, adapting to a certain skill, but you have to want to be open to it. Yeah, I think that's true. It's, you know, skills can be learned, right? All sure. these things that you have that, that, that come with a changing role that come with a changing future, those can, for the most part, be learned. If you're, if you have the humility and the willingness to do that and acknowledge that you need to get better and learn in those areas. But at the end of the day, it is about people, 
And if you don't, if you don't like interacting with people, connecting with people, sure. inspiring people, then, then leadership uh, in any role is going to be going to be a really difficult thing. You hit on an interesting point of, you know, part of it is, and this is not new, but the the relationships across campus, right? It's not you're not just leading a, a department of athletics. You're you're interacting with campus, with president, with people all across the board, which is a unique situation at Fairfield, and that you had a new president start just yeah. a few months before you did. And so it's a, it's a, it's a unique situation, unique dynamic. Um, what is that like having a, a brand new president as you stepped into a, to a new position? Um, and what are the, some of the unique, I think there are certainly challenges that probably come from that, but also a unique set of opportunities that come with, with uh, new faces in the most senior positions on campus. Uh, it's been great. Uh, Dr. Nemec, our, our new president has been terrific. Um, I was, you know, extremely excited about him from the interview process um, and, and certainly are very excited about his vision and the future of Fairfield moving forward under his direction. So um, there's, there, it's been great in so many ways. Um, I, I, I do feel a, a good synergy and kinship with him in terms of, of his vision and, and his, his viewpoint on athletics in terms of the vision for the university. So he is a, he's a former student athlete himself um, he, so he has a, and he values greatly the, 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 um, lessons, the life lessons that he learned as an athlete and how that has translated in, in, in his success and, and helped him along the way in his educational and professional career. So, um, he's a, he's a big believer in what we do and how we do it. And the hallmark of, of what he's trying to create here at Fairfield is, is for us to be the premier modern Catholic Jesuit institution. And that, that's really exciting on a number of levels. First of all, he believes in, in order for us to kind of enhance who we are, enhance our national profile, enhance our exposure, that athletics can and should be an integral part of, of that uh, process, of that strategic plan, and that, that we can be a vehicle to, to enhance who we are. Um, so that's really exciting. And to, to have a president who, who understands that, believes that, wants to make us, you know, an important piece of the engine that's going to make us go. Um, he is incredibly engaged with what we're doing. He's a, he's a great fan. He's incredibly competitive. Um, I really value his, his insights, um, not only, um, you know, in terms of his, his viewpoint on athletics, but I really enjoy listening to him. I've learned so much from him in a short period of time and just, listening to him talk about higher education and the state of higher education and, and how Fairfield fits into that world and how we fit into it now. And what, what is, you know, what are the core components of a Fairfield university education that are so great and that have served us so well, and how do we capitalize on those and, and how do we make them better and, and become premier and modern in everything that we do. And so as the athletics director, it's, it's exciting. It's, um, it does create a great sense of opportunity with creating that buzz and infusing that energy all across campus and every facet of it at the same time. So it, it, it creates a great challenge, which is one that I embrace and one that I think our staff and coaches embrace is that how do we make Fairfield athletics, the premier modern component of our corner of the campus world that fits into his piece of the pie and his vision. So that's, you know, as 
as we all know, as ADs, you're, you're, you know, one of the primary things you have to keep your eye on is, is how your athletics component fits into and, and, uh, has great synergy with the campus strategic plan and vision. So, um, I, I feel in lockstep with him in terms of, of that piece. Now we just have to try and put together a strategic plan that makes us the premier modern entity that we want to be, that, that fits into who we want to be institutionally. Well, it's, it's great to have that, what, what can feel like a true partnership right across campus, whether not, not being at odds, you understanding obviously with, the, with working in college athletics and on a college campus, but having the background of a family of educators with president understanding the athletics piece, both embracing each other's roles and the importance that, that both bring to create that, that vision and make that a reality for the university. Um, being in partnership is obviously a, a significant benefit as opposed to being at odds on a lot of different ideas and conversations. When you step into um, a new role at a new school, you have ideas, you have dreams, you have things that you want to put into place. You have a, you have a culture you want to create, but there's people who have been there for years, some new people who are going to come on board, uh, but you're a new face. And so there's that, that unease, that tension, even amidst the excitement, there's uncertainty. How do you start to um, create that culture and have this vision that you have for where the program can be and should be in partnership with the university? How do, how do you start to change and create a culture within the department? I think there's a couple of different ways to view that. So in the big picture and, and philosophically from a core value perspective, as an athletic director, as an educator, there's, I would have a certain core belief system, core value system that, that I would try to espouse, implement um, into any level that I, that I was. If I was the AD, and I'll just go through places that I've been, if I was the AD at Trinity Division Three, if I was the AD at a Division Two school, if I was the AD at Fairfield, if I was the AD at a Power Five, I, I do believe that there's a certain way of doing things, and and that I and I and I believe in the, this cohesiveness of academic athletic balance and the and trying to foster the overall holistic educational experience of student athletes. I believe in that. So there's there's kind of this big umbrella that that hopefully you kind of walk into an organization with that that people believe in, they want to buy into. And you try and, in a general sense, espouse that. I think off the bat, I think you want to try and uh, articulate a certain way of doing things, a certain modus operandi, if you will. And in a general sense, I, I, I try and impart to our student-athletes and our staff some basic principles that I think transcend any organization. And, and that's very simplistically, but I think poignantly, work hard, do the right thing, treat people with respect and be a loyal, prideful, in our case, be a loyal, prideful stag. And, and so those are the kinds of things that I try and hit upon right out of the chute um, so that people understand what I'm about and what I espouse. And, and, and so they have an understanding of how this new way of doing things or new structure or new style will kind of take shape. But then I think you also have to, you know, there's the, the age old kind of assessment tool of look, listening and learn, looking, listening and learning to try and, you know, make sure you're doing your due diligence to, to assess and hear people and, you know, go into things eyes wide open and, and do that effectively. So I, I think there's that aspect of it. 
that's that's critical as well. You know, when we look at kind of the characteristics uh, of a high-performing team, the things that we think teams need to have to become high-performing, we look at most people when they when they step in, they, they're looking at alignment and execution, right? We're not executing at a high level. Something's off. We're not firing on all cylinders. Well, we got to make sure we have the right people in the right seats. So we, we typically always go to alignment for that, which is not inherently bad. When we look at that kind of flywheel of, of momentum to be a high-performing team, we always start with communication and relationship. If you can communicate and connect well, if there's trust among a team and we have them in the right places and they understand the vision, the roles are clear, then we can have a high level of execution. Then sure. we can grow the capacity of our leaders and kind of have that flywheel moving. So as you move into a new position, into a new, new department, how are you trying to intentionally communicate with a large staff, making sure right, you're consistent in that message, but making time to communicate intentionally with a large staff instead of hoping they just kind of get the message but also how are you building trust, right? Being the new man on campus, how do you foster trust so they know, hey, I'm actually here to fight for you, to build this vision that you're a part of. You can, you can trust me, you can trust the vision. Um, how do you go about doing that? Sure. And I, you, just, it's, uh, you just hit on, on three things, three components of a, a formula that I, that I always try and adhere to that, that I've conveyed to um, I can, tried to always convey to our staff at Central, and I've certainly tried to impart it to not only our student athletes but our staff here at Fairfield. And and I, again, I don't think it's a rocket science formula, but I do believe that the the very simple equation of communication plus honesty equals trust is a tried and true methodology that where you just can't go wrong. And and because it, if you do that, if you if you really make the effort to communicate effectively and and that can come in a, in a multitude of ways. If you're honest with people and transparent and upfront with them, then that builds a, a, a strong relationship that builds a sense of trust so that when you do have to have some challenging conversations and difficult conversations along the way, you can do that in a manner where it's, it's, in, a, it's in a trusting um, confines so that you don't damage the relationship when you have to engage in some of those conversations. So, so how do you do that in this case, as, as the new kid on the block, if you will, um, you know, one of the things, one of the things that I, I, I was fortunate to be privy to this process when I was a deputy at Stony Brook and, and I've tried to adapt it and, and implement it in my two AD stops and that, uh, coming in, as a, as a new leadership team, um, just doing a very broad survey of all our student athletes and our staff to try and find out from them exactly from the source, what's cooking, you know, what, it, what is it like to be here? What is it like to be a stag? What is, if you were me, what are the things you would focus on attacking right away? Who are the people that it's important for me to build a relationship with? Who are the people that are important to the success of your program? You know, what are our strengths that, you know, your basic, you know, tried and true SWOT analysis. What are those things that we need to build upon? What do we need to capitalize upon? What are, we, what are our opportunities and threats? All those things. So I, I did that out of the shoot here. I did it at Central. I did it at Fairfield. And it's been extremely valuable, not only informationally and in helping me try and understand, you know, some of the most crucial points you know, right out of the chute, it helps you kind of build a short, midterm, long-range plan. It, it kind of helps you map that out. But 
probably the most important thing it does is it, it gives folks a chance to communicate to you right out of the shoot. It gives them a sense of purpose and buy-in to the new person who's coming in the door. Tell me, tell me the story of Fairfield Athletics. I, it'd be presumptuous for me to come in the door and assume that I know everything and it would be disingenuous to do that. And then I follow that up with one-on-one -on -one meetings um, with every member of the staff to try and to give them their time, their say. And that's from the, from the GA all the way up to the longtime head coach and everybody in between. Um, so I think that's crucial. There's informal ways to do that in terms of, you know, as, as we, and my colleagues across the country at every level know it is it's your, the time demands on you are so acute. Um, but you really have to do your best to, to make time to, to just walk around informally and knock on people's doors and, and say, Hey, and, and, and just be visible and accessible. And, and I think that goes a long way too. So those informal kind of chats in the hallway or flopping down in someone's side saddle chair in their office and talking to them about their practice that day or the game last night or whatever it may be. I think those things go a long way. Um, some of the more formal aspects of it in terms of having monthly staff meetings, those are probably more deliberate and more agenda driven, if you will. But, but I, I think each one of those in their own right and, and in, you know, a multitude of other ways, going out to practices, saying hi to teams, just being visible. Even if you don't get to say hi to a team, just being there, they all notice teams, notice student athletes, notice they like when you're there. They like the fact that you, that you're supporting them being at games, you know, so there's, you're almost, you're in a, in a, sometimes you can almost communicate volumes just by, by your presence. You know, if you say that, it, that you're, the student athlete is of primacy value to you, then, then you better be at games <laughs> and, and student athletes better see you there. And when they see you there, they love it. And so that, that validates some of your philosophies and some of your values. And so I think there's a long, it's a long winded answer to your question, but I think there's a multitude of ways that you can kind of continue to communicate formally and informally reinforce uh, what your philosophy, your message, your values are. And, and, and it's something that you have to try and think about every day um, because it's, it's, you know, the communication piece is it's, it's constant and it's one you have to consistently work on. Yeah. yeah I think the, the value of informal presence, like yes, staff meetings, yes, those things matter, but just the being present at a practice kind of a random conversation in the hallway, stopping in someone's office. Look, I'm not here for a scheduled meeting. Let's just, how did practice go? How are things going? Um, presence matters. And, and so I love, and, and building trust and building relationships. So I think that's a, you, you hit on a huge point. And for no. more, go ahead. No, I was just going to say no question about it. And you just, you touched on something that I didn't allude to, but I think some of the best conversations I have and the ones that are most enjoyable and the ones that, that really energize me and float my boat the most are the informal conversations I have with, athletes just whether i see them walking across campus or i see them in the hallway or i see them coming from a practice or just stopping and talking to them for 30 seconds yeah. and uh how's practice how's school going you know what's going on and just like those types of quick hitter conversations have a lot of value not and it's mutually beneficial frankly for me and, and i believe so for them as well absolutely and that's that's where relationships are built, right? We don't have to schedule time. Let's just go sit and have coffee or lunch, but it's, Hey, how are things going? As you pass them in the hall, um, it's, it's a, again, that the value of just being present, just being around 
engaging with people. Uh, I think that's that's a a significant thing. And and I want to hit on a a quick point that you've mentioned with student athletes. I think it can be um, generalizing here, of course, but there are a lot of time demands on on everyone in college sports, but certainly on uh, those in the AD chair. Um, We always have to make time for people, right? As busy as we are, we have to make time for people. How do you how do you make time for student athletes, right? Cause that's, that's why we're here. If you're, if you're an AD, if you're working in college sports, we're here for the student athletes. Um, and, and that's an, that's an easy talking point, but how do you engage with them, make time with them, make sure their voice is heard. Um, how do you make them the priority that we all claim that they are? I, I think it's, you know, I don't know if there's an AD in the country who wouldn't put as a, a primary objective of, having a positive educational experience for student athletes at the top of their line. And I think that's something we all believe in. I think that's something we all try and focus on The when the rubber hits the road, you know, as an AD, how do you, how do you have the most effective direct impact you can have on that? And I, I, that's probably one of the biggest challenges because as you alluded to at the outset of your question, you're, and, and we talked about at the outset of the conversation, this concept of being all things to all people, you get dragged in so many different directions. You can easily get bogged down in, in kind of the business aspect of it or the external aspect of it, which is, is of great import and of great value. Um, but at truly at the end of the day, it's about trying to make sure that, you know, those student athletes that we oversee for whom we're trying to build a program and create a great experience that, you know, we want to have a relationship with them too. And and I think that becomes the most, the trickiest part. So I, I try and have as much direct contact with them as I can. And, and frankly, a lot of it is that, that informal conversation. So I, I, over the course of my time during my career at Central, and, and certainly um, I took that with me and had a greater sense of that coming into Fairfield is I try and capitalize on those moments whenever they present themselves Um, because they are quick, they are fleeting, but their impact is big. Um, You know, one of the things I did when I, when I got here to Fairfield in the first two weeks on the job, I tried to make it a point of emphasis to get around and meet with every team. So I met, I, I went to practices and hit every single team within two weeks because I really wanted to establish a face with a name right away. I wanted them to know, who I was, I wanted to be able to walk around campus and say hi to athletes and have them know who I was. I wanted to be able to show up to a game and not have them wonder who that guy in the shirt and tie was over there standing on the sidelines. Because I think that's important. I think it's important for them to know that, you know, right out of the shoot, what I believe that I value their, their place in this enterprise and, and that they are of, of primacy value in what we're trying to do. Um, so I think there's a, a very vital informal component to it. Um, I think there's ways you can um, try and create a sense of team and unity with all your student athletes. And I think that's probably the bigger challenge because you've got in our case, 20 teams, 450 student athletes, you probably only have, you know, at most on the high end, probably half a dozen times to get them all in one room a year. It's probably closer to three or four. Um, So one thing I've, I've tried to do, and again, something that, we uh, began doing a Stony Brook and I've taken with me was um, just 
getting everybody together as a student athlete welcome back event and giving them all a t-shirt with a theme for the year and everybody's part of the same team and we make them feel like they're all part of the same family and we're all in this together and and whether you're a football player or a golfer you're a stag or whatever you know whatever place you are you're all part of the same team and same family and and you're all part of the same values and we and and we share in our successes and and so we try to create that on an annual basis and create that sense of pride and and team oriented aspect and and just try and continue to foster that throughout the year and everything that we do i i try and get to as many home games as i can um the vast majority of them and again i think you know as a if you're probably going to pinpoint something that athletes notice most of all it's whether or not you show up for their contests and and so I try and do that. I think that speaks volumes to them. Um, so again, different ways to to kind of have an impact on them and develop that sense of unity and trust. And then, frankly, there's ways, you know, in this, we, uh, we send messages out electronically. We try and communicate to them through our, our ARMS database and, you know, different softwares that you have available to themselves so we can message in an effective way through that. And, you know, we try and... I try and show them that I'm supporting them through Twitter too and, and do all the, and, and make sure that I'm, you know, in tune with that and active on that and sharing in their successes and supporting them in, in that regard too. So a myriad of ways to try and I think be in tune to, to them and their experience and what's going on and have them understand that, that uh, I'm aware and, and that I value everything they're doing. I love that. And again, a lot of it, it just goes back to being intentional. Right? If, if I say you're important, then I'm going to have to show you that you are important. That means showing up to your games. That means giving you a voice, right. making you feel in, included. Um, and it's, it's not just words, right? It's, it's we have to show up um, and actually make sure they know, like, we, we mean what we say. You are vital to this. We are for you. We want you to grow. We want you to succeed, not just in competition, but as, as an individual, as a leader. Um, you mentioned social media. What do you think What's the, the, the opportunities and challenges as it relates to being an, o, an AD on social media? I've, I've really enjoyed it, and I, I've, I've probably only become active on it, I would say, in the last three, four years. Um, but I've really enjoyed it. I've found it a way to be communicative, not only to student-athletes, but certainly with your an external audience, your fan base, your season ticket holders, your donors, your alums, your, um, so I've, I've really, I've found it to be very enjoyable, um, and an effective tool to, um, not only for, for kind of me to, uh, articulate a, a personal message or, or those kinds of things, but, uh, but to, to, as a branding tool, as a messaging tool for our department and, and those kinds of things. Um, I, I think from a, student athlete perspective it's certainly something that it's a challenge we all face that there's um it's it's so instant it's so out there then and i think you just have to try and do uh, the best job you can of of educating your athletes in terms of the messaging and in terms of of you know how to how to most effectively um, portray and articulate not only your personal brand but in terms of of understanding that you're part of a bigger brand as a student athlete and part of, of our program and a part of the institution. And, and there's some inherent responsibilities that go along with that. So I think it's a matter of balancing 
the uh, kind of the trust aspect of it with also trying to educate them and, and monitor it so that, you know, you're, you're showing them that, Hey, this is a great vehicle and we want to be, we want you to be a part of it. And you can really kind of help us in this whole messaging effort and, and enhance everything that you are and we are, but there's also some responsibilities that go along with it. So I think it's a great balancing act and it's, it's not a, it's not, it's not perfect. And nor are, the young men and women that we're all that are using it, um, using it in, in the most effective or perfect ways, as we all know. But I think um, it's just a constant effort to try and uh, emphasize and educate and and uh, you know help our athletes along the way. And that's at the end of the day, we're educators. That's what it's all about. And I love that that ads and and leaders in general across athletics, right? You're the voice people want to hear from. You're the one in the chair. Your perspective matters. Same thing for a head coach, right? You're you're the CEO of the program, um, and it's it's also a great tool for you to show student athletes and other people on staff leaders setting the tone. So the way you use it can be an example for the way student athletes can use it in their own voice. Um, the way coaches can use it. The way other administrators can use it. And it's not going away. And my thing when I'm working with ADs and programs on this is you don't have to love it, but see the value in it and have some form of plan of how you're going to use it, what you want to give to it, what you want to get from it, and how it can be beneficial both for you as an individual and the program as well. From a leadership perspective, what do you think as you go throughout your days, as you're interacting with peers across the industry, what do you think is the biggest pain point right now for ADs um, internally from a leadership perspective? Honestly, I would say that if you, if you pull any AD at any level in the country, they're probably going to come up with the same topics that we're all um, challenged with, faced with on a daily basis. And you could, and based on, on level, based on uh, institution, you know, the order might vary, but you're probably talking about student athlete welfare. You're probably talking about budgets. You're probably talking about facilities. You're probably talking about fundraising. In varying degrees, you, you know, you're, you're, you have to make sure you're adhering to compliance. And so there's, there's a five to six categories that, that we all have to make sure we're focusing on a daily basis. And then there's always personnel, which is, which is kind of a constant. So, um, but I think that the, the aspect of athletic administration and, and as educators that we need to continue to really hone in on is, is this, this, is student athlete development and you know we all as i as i said earlier we all talk about the student athlete experience but i I do believe um it's it is at the forefront more than it ever has been um certainly you know and and my my world as a professional has been division one with yale and stony brook and central and now fairfield so that's that's my immediate you know, locus of comparison, past and present and and future forward. But um, with all the the, the changes that have occurred within the framework of Division One and and kind of the retooling of strategic focus and the the uh, the increased involvement in a very good way. I'm a, I'm a advocate of it and proponent of it is student athlete involvement in the governance structure and. And so there's, you know, there's a, an increased uh, focus on on their voice and what's important, and and it's bearing itself out in a number of ways. Is there's there's some um, 
legislation and the offering relative to recruiting time cycles. That's that's going to change our world a little bit. There's there's transfer legislation that's in the offing that's going to change our world a little bit. There's there's a lot of different things that have occurred and will continue to occur that that really place a a forced focus, if you will, on on student athlete welfare and student athlete experience and everything that goes along with that. And it's and it's not a a simple pot of of uh, factors. So it's not just about balancing academics and athletics. Um, you know, it, it, I think um, in in yesteryear, I think if we all if we thought we were all balancing, you know, their their athletics world with their academic world, then then we're in pretty good shape. But there's so many other competing factors now um, in terms of of the nutritional aspect and the mental health aspect of it and the, the sports psychology aspect of it. And, and you could go on and on in terms of the different things that, that I think we need to and are obligated to focus on um, because it's, it's not an easy deal being a division one student athlete. And we're there, we're, we're, you know, from a, from a coaching administrative standpoint, we're somewhat of a victim of our own, uh, circumstances, a victim of our own legislative policies that we we have put into place to uh, to allow us as coaches and as programs year-round access and year-round training, and you know that 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 you know in an age of specialization that allow our athletes to to compete and train year-round, and and at the same time, our athletes are the ones that are going through that. So it's a lot, and. With that, you know, change in culture, that change in way of doing things, that that um, that increased sense of competitiveness, that uh, we're we're obligated to pay attention to those things, and so there's, I would say that's probably the point that uh, myself and and a lot of colleagues are trying to focus on. I, but at the same time, I, I don't know that I'd call it a pain point. I'd call it a and and a terrific opportunity. Um, so if you go back to, if I, I'll tie this back to maybe uh, something we talked about earlier, as you talked about, or we, you asked me about, you know, the timing of coming on board with a new president. And, and so just as um, I think Fairfield that is university is in a unique opportunity to kind of capitalize on, you know, the trends in higher education to become a premier modern institution. I also think we have a, a unique opportunity as an athletics program to, to based on our, our institutional mission, our institutional values and the, and, and what we inherently espouse and what is um, of, of great uh, uh, intrigue to prospective students to Fairfield. I think we have an opportunity in this day and age of division one to kind of create this, this, unique student athlete development model that that could be a great niche for us um you know we talk about this concept of magis here which is striving for excellence in everything we do we talk about the concept of cure personalis which is the development of the whole person and and we talk about service to others and so those are your your basic jesuit core values and fairfield values that that we espouse but i but they're right in our wheelhouse in terms of you know, developing student athletes and, and how we want to help them become, you know, leaders for life and great young men and women. So that by the time they leave here, they have this, 
this terrific, well-rounded education, and they're ready to go on and be, you know, take the world by storm. So um, that's the great opportunity. It's maybe it's born out of a pain point, if you will, that you, that you alluded to, but but I like to see it as a great opportunity, and and that's the fun part. You know, we I, if if we can if we can hone in on that and uh, and make sure we're focusing on that, um, then I think we'll be in good shape. I, I think it's easy to stray from. There's so many competing factors and external factors and things that do make our job um, really difficult these days. Um, I'll go back to um, something very simple that I learned from a, a great mentor of mine at a very young age um, who once said to me, Paul, it's about the end of the day. It's about two teams a fish and a, a set of officials and a ball. And, uh, at its core, that's what college athletics is all about. So if we can kind of hone in on what really matters, I think we'll continue to be in good shape. I think that's a great perspective and, and something I consistently hear from, from those in your chair. of How do we, and I think the next great, I don't want to call it arms race, but for lack of better phrasing, will be, it's not facilities in terms of a cool locker room or a barbershop on campus or a slide. And those things are all fun. Those things are all good. But it's how are we actually maximizing the experience of our student athletes, both as an athlete, right, with nutrition and mental mm -hmm. health um, and all these things that we now know that we just have more access to and better information to, um, but also as individuals, as leaders, as communicators who are going to be the next generation of doctors and attorneys and entrepreneurs and salespeople and teachers and government officials and athletic directors and coaches. You know, how do we develop them? who, who is, who is doing that well, right? Who's, who's making that an actual priority to say, no, you're not just going to come here and, and have some cool facilities and win some games and have great coaching and get a really good education. We're actually going to equip you as a whole person to go change the world. To go, so when you leave here, you're a leader worth following and every organization is going to want to hire you, not just because you may have the skill set or can learn the skill set, but you're the type of person that they want in their organization. Or if you're the type of person who's going to be hiring people, you're going to be the type of person that people want to be working for. And it's all going to be these things that we, we developed for you while you were here on campus. So I think the next several years, that is, it feels like that, that is becoming a significant um, focal point, which is certainly a, a great thing. Uh, let's end on a few maybe lighthearted questions or not so deep questions. Um, and again, extremely grateful for your time and your insight. Um, and taking, taking time out of a busy day and a busy season, not that there's ever a slow season in college sports, but the spring is, is certainly um, not lacking for events on the calendar. But who, who are ADs that you admire and why? My gosh, it's, uh, I feel like if I start rattling them off, I'm, you know, I, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm inevitably going to leave some folks out. But uh, I, I, I'll say, generally speaking, I feel like I've been really blessed to have, to learn from so many, to, uh, you know, to have some great mentors along the way and, and, you know, to have, to develop relationships, trusting relationships that, that I really value at, at different steps along the way. If, if you go back to people who influenced me to, and, and to try and want to get in the business, you know, Rick Hazleton, who was a long 30 year plus AD at Trinity, uh, you know, I got involved at a, as a, as a student athlete and working in the athletics program and watching him and, and thought that, you know, and really valued um, what he did and how he did it. So I kind of planted the seed for me at an early age. Um, 
the AD at, at Springfield College, Craig Poisson, who's who I think has done a terrific job there, and, and I really admire a lot of things he's doing um, at Springfield and at that level. One of my greatest mentors um, with whom I worked for 10 years, Tom Beckett at Yale, who's um, just recently announced his retirement, so he's his, uh, he's on the the back nine of, of his tenure there and had an extraordinary run at Yale. And I, I just placed great value on all the, the lessons I learned from him and, and everything he taught me about, about being an AD. You know, there's the, the Jeff Hathaway at Hofstra has been a great friend, a great mentor for me. Um, Lou Perkins, who um, I, I talked to fairly often, a former AD at UConn in Kansas, who's just always got some sage, words of wisdom and pearls that, that, that I value. And, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk to him that as you, as you become an idea, I think you also develop this kind of core group of folks that, you know, it's, they're kind of uh, peers, but people that I, I just feel have, have great connections with and that I really value bouncing ideas off of. And so for me, you know, there's Matt Larson with whom I work at Stony Brook, who's at North Dakota state, Donald Werdiff, who I worked with at Stony Brook, who's now at Loyola. Jumar Akello, who's a fellow deputy at BU while I was at the American East, who's now the AD at BU. Brian Hutchison, with whom I work so closely on the, the NCAA football committee, AD at Moorhead State. Folks like that who are just terrific people, very talented, doing great things you know, at their respective institutions that I really value just picking up the phone and, and talking to and and running ideas by, or um, just having those kind of informal conversations. I've been fortunate to get to know uh, Jamie Pollard at, at Iowa State a little bit. I think what he's done over the course of time there is is terrific, and they continue to just get get better and show great progress in everything they're doing. I really admire um, what he's done there, and and uh, someone like Bill McGillis, who's at University of San Diego. So, just folks that, uh, and again, there's so many. I'll say that I think the best part about college athletics and being in the business, quote unquote, being in this enterprise is, is the quality of the people and, and the, the relationships that you get to develop over time. It's really extraordinary. And I think it's uh, unlike most professions in terms of the type of profession we're in where you really do develop those types of substantive relationships with so many different colleagues. It's really extraordinary and the best part about it. In college sports and college athletics, it really is like a family. And that's, that's cliche to say, but you go to an event like NACTA and you just see people that you've known over the years, work with over the years. Um, and it's, and for me, it's always a reminder of what you said. There are so many incredible people across this industry doing, doing great work at a number, at a number of levels. So that was a, that was a terrific list. Um, best leadership advice you've ever received. I've used this, uh, almost every stop I've been at. Uh, in one way or another and something I always hearken back to. And, and I think it's been good advice for me. And, and uh, I actually alluded to it in my press conference uh, here at Fairfield and Tom Beckett um, once said to me as, as I was talking to him and he was learning that I aspired to be a director of athletics at, you know, down the road. And, and one thing he said to me was Paul, regardless of where you are, um, always remember to honor your past. Um, so that's something I've always tried to take with me and it, and it's, it sounds like a simple statement and it, and, uh, but I, 
but I think it's something that I've always tried to come into a new situation with. And it's funny how it's it kind of bears itself out in different ways and how in different situations and how that um, those words of wisdom have, have kind of popped back into my head um, in terms of dealing with certain situations. Um, so that's, that's uh, one thing that always, when people ask me that question, that's, that's usually the one that pops into my head. The best book you've read recently doesn't have to be around leadership, but the best book you've read recently. Well, I, there hasn't been a lot of time for that recently, frankly. Um, so it is something that I'm, I'm trying to get back to. I've, I've actually, ha- I have a, an hour commute each way now from it's temporary, but we're trying to, to move down to this part of Connecticut. And, uh, many people have told me oh, yeah, I, should I should get, get involved with books on tape, which, which I, I need to do. Um, so on the, on the fun side, uh, I'm a, I'm a David Baldacci fan. So I'm, I'm reading one of his right now. So I try and do that for my, uh, my quote unquote escape reading. Um, and I was, I've, I've, I just got it and I'm about to dive into it. Um, but mo- very recently, uh, I was made aware of Jay Wright's new book, uh, one almost simultaneously by, uh, by one of our coaches here who had, um, his teammate and one of our, uh, alums who, uh, with his company, um, actually had his staff read it and had Jay come talk to his staff about the book, which sounds like an extraordinary opportunity. So they, uh, they both raved about it. So I'm, I'm about to, uh, try and dive into that one. And I, I, I'm hoping it'll be a very enjoyable one. It, it is a good book. Definitely recommend, uh, Jay's book obviously has had significant level of, of success, uh, at Villanova and unique perspective, uh, on leadership. So definitely recommend that one. Do you have any routines? I know you have an hour commute each way, but do you have any, any morning routines, anything that you've tried to be consistent with over the course of, of your professional life and in, and in leadership? Well, I, I, uh, a couple things that, that pop into pop to mind right away. I am a dad. I'm a dad of, uh, two young ones. I have a four and a half year old daughter and, uh, and a one and a half year old son. So I try and uh, obviously be as present um, for them and, and with them as I can. Um, with the recent transition, it's, it's been a little bit more challenging just by virtue of the commute and uh, kind of being away without being away, if you will. So it makes some uh, dinner time and uh, a little more difficult. So I, I, what, what seems to be the, the sacred times, uh, sacred moments are the, the morning times with my daughter in particular, cause she's usually the first one up. So she likes her daddy time in the morning. So I try and, you know, be very present and, and, uh, and hold those moments precious, which, uh, you know, mean a lot to her and certainly mean a lot to me. Um, and I'm you know, also trying, uh, workout times, which are critical for all of us. Um, I've been, I've tried to, uh, adhere to that for my own physical well-being and sanity and mental health. So, uh, I try and do that. Um, the challenge is the only dead time uh, recently is really uh, at the wee hour. So I've I've found a a a place that works well for me with some classes that uh, are at five a.m. So I try and do those two, three, max four times a week just to keep my my juices flowing and try and keep me on top of my game physically and otherwise. And so trying to do those two things along with everything else, which is, uh, you know, that's, it's what we're all trying to do to try and, uh, make sure we're 
we're being the best people we can to our families and to ourselves and, and to those um, who, who pay our salaries. So it's, a, it's an ongoing challenge. Yeah, I think that's a, such a crucial piece of, you know, we're in this extremely busy world, extremely busy industry with, with multiple things pulling our attention all throughout the day, uh, but we have to make time for ourselves, right? And that doesn't mean hours upon hours upon hours a day, but how do, how do you make time for you if it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour? Because um, you can't bring your best for your family, can't bring your best for your people if you're not at your best, right? If you're constantly at the end of your rope, um, that's not healthy for anyone. And so in this always on industry, I think it's such a, such a powerful message of like, you're really busy, right? You're an, you're an AD at a D one program. You're commuting an hour each way, um, but you still make time for you. And that's the piece is it's not going to happen accidentally. You have to schedule that in, find, find time where it works. If it's an hour walking around campus at lunch, you know, whatever it is, just finding time so you can kind of decompress recharge. Uh, so you can have the energy that you need to lead well again not just at, at work but at home as well i think that's such a such a significant piece no question about it well, paul thank you so much again for taking time uh to chat to share your insights and your perspective um, love what you're doing at fairfield continue to hear great things about about what's happening there uh and i don't think um it's any accident right you're you're there for a reason and making changes um, making a good place even better so continue the great work um appreciate your time and I hope all of you guys listening uh, had a great time with this interview. Well, you're very kind with those words. I do appreciate it. And I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have the conversation. It's, it's always good to, uh, to share your thoughts and viewpoints and ideas. And then, frankly, to be, you know, inevitably you end up being introspective in these kinds of conversations as well. So I do appreciate it. I thank you very much. And uh, we'll talk again soon. So there you have it, Kevin's conversation with Fairfield AD, Paul Schlickman. An awesome conversation. Hope everybody listening has enjoyed it. I always think it's interesting, Kevin, to talk uh, to people who are coming into a new environment, establishing their culture, uh, developing rapport with their new team, developing the groundwork for the department that they want to lead. It sounds like Paul is doing this very intentionally, wouldn't you say, Kevin? Yeah, he, he hits on some themes that we continue to see as a pattern in our conversation with with athletic directors and future athletic directors um, around this topic of, of the modern AD or the next generation of directors of athletics. And then at the end of the day, it's about people. And so it doesn't matter how great your vision is, how great your strategy is, what you want to do with the program. If you can't connect with people, if you can't get them all on the same page, then it's all for naught. And so Paul certainly gets that and has made the people there a priority um, and even in just a short time, it, the results are already showing um, in the culture that they're building. And, and it is difficult to come in to a new place. Uh, there's tension from those who, who have been there for a long time because there's this uneasy, uneasiness. What's this guy going to do? Is he going to get rid of everyone? Is he going to blow everything up? Uh, and so I think he's done a really good job of building relationships uh, along the way to build trust as he creates a new vision for Fairfield. You know, it's interesting. We think and talk a lot about all the things that have changed in the space. Um, you know, as we're talking to athletics directors and prospective athletics directors, the college landscape obviously um, is much different than it was even 10 years ago. Uh, if you talk about the, the dollars and cents, whether it's NCA governance issues, whether it's the new media landscape and social media. And Paul talked a little bit about social. thought it was interesting for somebody who you know, obviously wasn't a, uh, a native social media user, but identifies the 
uh, benefits of it, uh, sees how it can help him develop his culture, communicate with the student athletes, support his student athletes, which I think is outstanding. So um, even with all these changes though, he does emphasize that the fundamental role of an athletics director, the basics really haven't maybe changed all that much um, and maybe not as much as a lot of people might think. Yeah, I love from the social media piece, just humility on his part to acknowledge, you know, this is not normal for me. It's not natural. I didn't grow up with this, but I do realize the value of this tool and I do need to make it a priority. Um, It is a way for me to to talk about the Fairfield brand, to talk about the culture we're building here, to, to highlight our student athletes. And so it was fun to hear him discuss that. And then we talk a lot about work life balance and, and trying to make time for yourself. And he, you know, people in college sports are busy and, and, and an AD certainly fits that, uh, fits that bill of busyness. And he, regardless, he still makes time for him a priority to get some exercise in, or it's not a burden on other people. He's not trying to escape, but if he's going to bring his best for his people every day, he knows that he has to have that, that recharge time. And so I, it was great to hear him make that a priority because that's just going to benefit everyone around him. So again, thank you to Paul Schlickman uh, for just the amount of time you were willing to spend with us and have a great conversation for the insights. Um, so impressed with, again, what he's doing at Fairfield. So hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Thank you for listening to the Sports Leadership Podcast. We really appreciate it. Appreciate all the feedback. If you have questions with us, find us on Twitter. Um, if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review. That would be outstanding. Uh, and make sure you're subscribing on iTunes uh, or SoundCloud or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you, guys. Thank you.